Hey everybody, this is Larissa Miller. This is a message about walking in fellowship and intimacy with the precious Holy Spirit. He changed my life so dramatically 16 years ago and I share some of my story and hope that it blesses you and encourages you to know that God will provide and equip you with everything you need for what he asks of you. He will comfort you, console you, counsel you, empower you. Um, He is wonderful. So be blessed today. I love you guys. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Good morning. Wow. It's a full house. Are there people in overflow today? We love you. Lord, break down the walls. (laughs) I'm Larissa Miller. My husband, Michael, and I are senior leaders here at Upper Room. I want to celebrate a few things this morning, and then uh, we'll hop into the word. Um, first is that Michael's in Colombia, <clears throat> and um, Colombia, lo siento. Um, Michael's in Colombia, and he left Friday morning, and he um, ministered yesterday. I think he preached four times yesterday, and he texted me and said, oh, he said, hundreds of people came to Jesus today, and um, And um, he was just overflowing with excitement at how many people were encountering the Lord. And um, so I wanted to share that with you. Uh, thank you for, for sending him and, and trusting us as we're navigating all these different ways the Lord's leading us. Um, I also want to celebrate, how many of you are here because you came in for Brave Hearts? I don't know what to call it. Yes, wow, okay. What? My goodness. Christy, will you come up here for a minute, Christy? Where did everyone come from? Will you just shout out? Wait, 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 wait. Start over here. Ohio, okay. Texans are very Texan-centric, so we just don't know a lot about other states. I'm just kidding. It's, It's very sad. Where else? Alabama, California, what? Australia, Washington, no, Tennessee, Atlanta, Canada, where? Orlando, welcome. I just asked Christy to come give a quick recap of what, who these people are and what y'all did yesterday. Who are you, crazy people filling up our seats? We love you. They're wildfire. Yeah. Yeah, so at the very beginning of the year, the Lord started speaking about this this phrase, communion revival, and Peter's been up here uh, some, and he preached about it in maybe, I don't know, June or July. Anyways, but uh, Lou's been, Lou Engel's been carrying this message for a while as well, and so there's just been this beautiful merging of the simplicity of what does it look like to bring people to the table. And uh, anyhow, and so uh, Peter in July had this idea to train 318 men and women in the simplicity of the gospel and train them in the simplicity of what it means that Jesus broke his body and he shed his blood for us. And so all of these 318 people are those that went through the training. And so yesterday was our commissioning service and the Lord came because the Holy Spirit loves to come and to visit whenever we we serve the table of his broken body and his shed blood. And so it was really special. So it's really special to see everybody here as well. Um, But it was awesome. It was awesome. And I just want to share this one scripture because I feel like this is, This is what the Lord is saying if you were there yesterday, and this is what he's saying to all of us. It's a really simple message, and it's from Isaiah 55. It says, is anyone thirsty? 
come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. And so I just believe that in 2023, we're going to see a beautiful outpouring of the Spirit as we invite people to the table of his love for humanity. So super excited. Way to go, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you, if you were a part of it, if you want to stand, that would be amazing. Wow. That is so special. So yeah, we, we did a really cool thing at the end of the commission, the commissioning, we had all of these people stand and declare forgiveness of sin and freedom from sin over their regions and a knowledge of the love of God. And so this is a royal priesthood standing here. So, so what we can do now, if y'all just want to extend your hands, let's just bless everybody in the room with the love of God. Yes, yes, yeah. If you're sitting, you receive. If you're standing... I want you to release what you've been taught the past 12 weeks in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to pray, but you pray as well in faith. So Lord Jesus, we say thank you, God. Thank you for the sufficiency of your blood that was shed on the cross to conquer every single sin, every single sickness, every single failure. And so we just say we commission these, all of these in this room to carry the love of God wherever they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, it's beautiful. I always say when, when people take steps like this, you know, you, you, you sign up for a you sign up for a discipleship course or you travel somewhere. I tell this to visitors all the time. If you're visiting today because you're hungry for God, the Lord loves that faith and he loves to honor it. And so I always tell people visiting, man, I expect God to speak to you, to move, to touch you, to refresh you, to renew you because you've come here in faith and faith pleases him. Faith pleases him. <clears throat> so I bless you with that. We're glad. I'm just celebrating all of that. It's beautiful. Uh, here's my, my plan for today. <clears throat> I'm going to start. I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story because it's very relevant to the topic <laughs> today. Um, a few weeks ago, Michael taught several times on the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the language of the Holy Spirit, all really solid, wonderful teaching um, that I recommend you go listen to. And then Kevin taught on honor, and then Michael taught on stewardship. And when, it, when I was up, I thought, I got to go talk about the Holy Spirit again. Uh, <laughs> my, my girl. Because um, I had so... Uh, so, so precious to me. And it's kind of like, <clears throat> how, how, how could I compare it? Christy, for example, since she was here, if you ever heard her talk about uh, childbirth, you would be like, I can't wait to birth a baby. <laughs> she talks about it like it's the most wonderful thing she's ever experienced. And uh, not all of us felt that way about childbirth. <laughs> but... Um, but she can be such a, an advocate for it because she believes in it so much. And I just have to say that, that the Holy Spirit for me has been the most precious gift of God that has really radically changed this church girl's life. And, um, and now that's been the case now for 16 years. And, and so I have to share it with you because I love Jesus and I love his church. And I want you to have everything that he meant for you to have. I want to open with this scripture. And, then, and I do have notes. Don't put the QR code up, my friends. I, I challenged myself. I prepare every time I speak. I, I have notes. I have an outline. 
um, but I never share it with all of you. <laughs> so that felt uh, pretty vulnerable for me to share my own outline with you. Um, mostly because I, the, you know, the inside baseball in our family is that we prepare um, diligently in prayer and in scripture, but then when we stand up here, we lay it all down and we're ready for him to lead however he will. So to follow an outline that you are also looking at is um, I do with fear and trembling. So I'm not sure at what point I'm gonna give these gals permission to put that QR code up. We'll see how the Lord leads. Um, but I do wanna start with this scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians. So you can turn there and uh, guess what? Maybe you can take your own notes. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be novel? Uh, I'm sorry. I, one of the things I do regularly is I, I teach our Uproom School of Ministry students, and um, I love them so much, but I can be a little bit sassy, so I, I, I realize you're not my USM students. I apologize if I get sassy with you. Um, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we love this verse in verse 9. This is a pillow stitching verse. As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And really the clincher of this is what follows. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we, say we, have received not the spirit of the world, amen, but the spirit who is from God. And here's the kicker, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And I want to open with this verse because this is what happened to me. I was born on the mission field. I was born to a godly family, sincere. My dad was a preacher. I mean, I was in church many times a week. I know I was taught the Bible. I was raised in a wrong from right. I was... Uh, baptized when I was 15 or 16 at church camp because I, I didn't want to die in the van on the way home if it got in an accident and go to hell. So I was very motivated to get saved. <laughs> uh, I don't know that anyone taught me that, but somewhere in my unrenewed mind with the veil still over it, that's what I thought. I thought, now I'm accountable. I'm of an age that I know better. And if I don't get dunked here at camp, that van is going to crash. I'm going to die and I'll go to hell. And I don't want that. <clears throat> Not the best salvation experience. Um, so that, that thrust me into all things. I think I may have been president of the FCA at my high school at one point. I don't remember, maybe. I know that I led Bible studies. I know that I kept going to church. I went to a Christian college. I know that I led Bible studies there. And I know that when I hit 24, I was still very, very uh, um, educated in the things of God and untransformed. I was a really good church attender and a really good hypocrite. And the truth is that I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I actually believe most people don't want to be a hypocrite. They just are trying hard and failing all the time. And so when they come to church on a Sunday morning, they mean it. 
and then the week rolls around and they're not living it and they don't know how. And they're try, 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 that was me. Try, try, try. And my family fell apart when I was 14. And so it was also just the age of messiness. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Uh, and so I, I spent a decade in brokenness, in hypocrisy and, and a lot of brokenness, a lot of, oh, I just wreaked havoc on the people around me. I was manipulative and selfish and just an insecure mess. <laughs> and all the while, leading my Bible studies, um, I told everyone last night, I can remember a time in college where I was leading a Bible study and um, we, uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember the title, I, maybe I could, but I don't want to share. But anyhow, I remember there was a contract at the back of the book that where you were going to sign saying that you wouldn't date anyone for six months because you're going to be devoted to Jesus. And um, I'm, it was my idea. I was leading it, signed my name, dated it, and I went on a date like two days later. <clears throat> uh, that is the Romans 6 and 7, I do what I don't want to do, 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 do. And um, I'm telling you these stories about myself because I want to share with you that when I was 24, I moved to Dallas and I didn't know a soul. So sometimes isolation, loneliness, and pain, if you're in enough pain, you might be ready to surrender fully um, to the things of God. And I started attending this church <clears throat> where this guy named Michael Miller was preaching. Uh, and he was preaching on the Holy Spirit. And this church girl, biblically literate girl, it was as if someone had taken a whiteout pen to my Bible my whole life. I was sitting there in the pew, jaw dropped, like, what is he talking about? And where are these scriptures coming from? And I was also looking around me at a group of people. It was a group of young adults. And they didn't just attend church to like find a date, that's definitely a young adult thing, yes? Like, it's like a meat market? Oh, gag, I hated that. But I was looking at people that seemed like they really loved God. They would, the way they worship, they would cry. And then if you went to eat with them afterward, they would talk about God. And I thought, who are these people? And what do they have that I don't have? I knew it was very obvious. They have something I don't have. And it wasn't they know something I don't know. It was you have something I don't have. And now I know what they had. They had this one who searches the deep things of God and makes them known to you what is freely given to you. So the gospel that I had heard my whole life, all of a sudden, it was alive. So this thrust me into a season. And so I say season because I think sometimes in our theology of the things of the spirit, uh, we all have different experiences, right? In a room like this, I probably have some fiery flag-waving Pentecostals, and I probably have some Bible-thumping Church Christers, which I've been both, so don't be offended at those descriptions. But I'm saying in a room like this, we have a wide variety of experience of the things of the Spirit, right? In church. Some of you have, have had pain and abuse with it. Some of you are completely uncomfortable with it. Whatever, and everything in between. So this thrust me into a season of me surrendering to the Spirit of God. And my whole world went from black and white 
to living color over the course of about three months. I remember Michael preaching that the Holy Spirit was God. Now, maybe to you, if you come to a room, that is normal. But to me, that was not normal. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, you can know him. You can talk to him. <gasps> what? I thought it was an it. And my only experience with that it was being in a church where they were praying in tongues and I was terrified. <laughs> and, and, and yet I was seeing fruit in the lives around me that said, I got to have whatever this is. These people aren't wrestling with sin in the same way I am. These people aren't racked with insecurity. They seem free. These people are walking in holiness. So I used to, in that season, again, isolation, pain, and loneliness were a beautiful, perfect storm that the Lord used to bring me into his fullness. And I would lay on the floor in my apartment, and I would throw on David Crowder, this one song on repeat, is called Only You. And there's this phrase in there where he sings, it's just you and me here now. And I would just cry, and I would say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. If you're real, I want to know you. Well, guess what? He's real. And um, the things that I had been dealing with for 10 years, the brokenness in my heart, in my family, the deep insecurity and shame and rage and hatred that I carried, he began to put his finger on and set me free. And all of a sudden, I would have courage to face things that I never could face before. I, I for 10 years, was like, I would talk to my youth pastor, my college pastor, my counselor. I know something's deeply wrong with me. I can tell by my actions. And yet, everyone could agree, yep, we see that. I agree, you have a problem. <laughs> Which wasn't very helpful, because I knew it too. And there was yet no transformation. But in that three-month season, the Lord gave me courage to have scary conversations with my, my family, my parents, to break off relationships that were toxic. And I was free. And let me tell you right now, that wasn't a honeymoon season with God. I have, and it hasn't been sunshine and roses, but it has been glory to glory to glory. And it has, it really has been from strength to strength. And I, I, I remember an older, well-meaning person. You know, I was just so undone that God was actually real and close. And that he could whisper to me. And that he had the power to actually change my desires. One of the fruits of that season is I became obsessed with my Bible. I used to just sit in Starbucks and I would just consume massive amounts of scripture. Not because I should. Not because it was on my reading plan. But because I couldn't get enough. Because the spirit of God loves Jesus. <laughs> the spirit of God loves the word of God. And I was almost a victim to his presence. I felt like he just swooped me up. Oh, what was I saying? So I remember an, a well-meaning older person, a family friend in that season, uh, came, came to church and, and was worshiping next to me. And at the close of the service said, um, said I think you'll, you'll calm down when you mature a little bit. You won't have to be so expressive. And um, I hope I never mature <laughs> like that. I have not calmed down. And I have matured, but not in the way that he was hoping I might. 
And I hope that I get even more undignified than I was when I was 24. <clears throat> and so I, I say all that to say this, that I'm really watching the call because I want to leave us lots of time to respond to him. Um, I say all that to say that in the last 16 years of, of the glory to glory, maybe, maybe the most precious thing to me is not, not the not prophetic gifts, not um, tongues, not, although those are all wonderful and I don't diminish them in any way, but it's been his, his friendship and his nearness and particularly in pain. For me, in particular, the nearness of God in pain has been the sweetest thing and is also the reason why I'm still standing here because Michael and I would have escaped and numbed out at least five or six years ago and we're not we're burning in love with God and it's because we've allowed him to meet us in the deepest broken places. And so today, <clears throat> as, I was, as I was preparing, I had a strong sense of the Lord saying, I want to comfort my people. I want to comfort my people. And they're afraid of pain. And if they're afraid of pain, I can't comfort them. If they won't be brave enough to open up to it, then I can't get in and heal. And I want to comfort, not to fix, but to draw near. And I... And, and maybe it's really fresh on my heart because, you know, if, if you're, this is your community, you know that almost the whole fall season we were contending for a little boy's life. Terry Postel, he, was, he, he drowned on Labor Day and he was on life support for over two months. And we, you guys, we contended for healing and... um he went to be with the Lord on November 11th. And so maybe mourning and grieving is fresh on my heart, but I think it's fresh on the Lord's heart. You know, the first thing Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount was, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And I want to say that there will be a day where we will not cry. And there will be a day where we don't have loss. And there will be a day when no one can hurt you. But today, we have tears. And we have loss. And sometimes it's hard to mourn when you need to be comforted by the one that you think didn't answer you. Isn't that true? But he is. It's his name. He's the comforter. And I feel that unless we mourn, it will happen to us. What Michael has one of the most best messages on the heart and how the disciples in the garden of Gethsemane, they, they fell asleep, not because they were tired, but from sorrow. And I have felt my own heart. It's not even my child, but I have felt my own heart tempted to fall asleep. <clears throat> 
in sorrow. And I think the only answer is to open up and say, I'm going to mourn, but I'm mourning in faith that someone's coming to comfort. And I don't, I want you to hear me say that mourning and self-pity and are two completely different things. Mourning happens with him. Mourning invites him. Self-pity is like a infected wound. It just gets more disgusting. But but mourning allows a wound to be cleansed. How to be to be bound up. But you cannot heal your own broken heart. And you can't put a darn Christian bow on it either. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, it says about the church in Acts. Oh, I'm about to let you look at your notes. I can feel it. It says about the church in Acts that they grew Oh now I'm going to have to open it up that they grew in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and I want to propose to you that following Jesus requires a constant comforter. <laughs> because everything you will do that he invites you to do <laughs> is impossible. Did you ever hear him say, be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect? Did you hear him say, there shall not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you? Did you hear him say, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, laying down your life for her? Tell me you don't need a comforter. You know, uh, Reinhard Bunke went to be with the Lord about, I think, three years ago now. And um, I looked online yesterday. It said that he brought 79 million people to Jesus. <laughs> and um, I, I, I pulled up a quote by him. You guys can, will you guys pull up those quotes for me in the back? He said, ah, in truth, I've done nothing alone. God has called me and has been my pilot. The Holy Spirit has been my comforter, my guide, and my power source. Oh, not yet. I'd like you to know that I may never lead 79 million people to Jesus, but I have four children, and I need... The Holy Spirit, I think sometimes we look at these great men and women of God and we think, well, they must need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, are you, are you less called? Are you less Christian? What are you? What life has he called you to live that you don't need full dependence on the Holy Spirit? Uh, you can put up the one by Corey Timboom. This, these are just beautiful, and I wanted to share. Uh, she says, she's one of my heroes. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing. Hey, exhausting, amen, and tedious of all work. But 
When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Hallelujah. Don't put up the next one yet. Um, I'm getting bossy. I'm sorry, guys. <clears throat> okay, you can put the QR code up. But please don't lose me. I feel like if you look at your phones, I'm going to lose you. Stick with me, would you? Um, and I'm going to fly through some of this, and we're going to respond to him because he's worthy, and it's, uh, it's not something mentally apprehended. It is... His presence is something that you surrender to. It is, he will give as much as you're willing to have if you'll surrender. Okay. In Roman numeral four. <clears throat> this is where Jesus initially promises us the comforter. And I, it's very important that you see the context. A comforter is needed in the context of obedience. What does that mean? That means obeying God will require comfort. <laughs> like Abraham, hey Abraham, go to a land, leave everything, go there to a land. I'm not even going to tell you which one, just get up and go. Hey, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let all of his slaves go. I'm sorry, what? Hey, Joshua, go conquer the entire promised land. What did Joshua need? Courage? What do you need? Courage? Can I, can I just propose to you that if you are living a life that you can manage, maybe you're not being obedient? Just maybe what he's asking of you, if you can do it in your own strength, you might be missing something. I don't know about you, but I just know I get so tired. I don't want to do, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, John 14. This is when he promises the comfort. If you love me, keep my commandments. Don't try to make that mean something else. It actually means what it says. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. This is key. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Listen, when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended and it says so clearly that he remained. So these three years that these men have been walking with Jesus, they've seen this man is operating in something that we aren't. That was like me entering into that community. <laughs> Everyone else has something I don't. <laughs> What's happening? They had been observing for three years. He has something we don't have. And so that's why he says, you know him because he's been with you. But here's the promise. He's going to be in you. Are you following me? This one that you've watched empower me, comfort me, do signs and wonders and miracles and lead me and speak to me and give me wisdom and give me insight and words of knowledge and all those things that you've been watching now. That one, you know him, but he's going to be in you. And I want you to see, for example, like Peter. This man, before he's filled with the Holy Spirit, is arrogant, insecure, scared. He is boasting, Jesus, even if everyone leaves you, I will die with you. 
And hours later, a little servant girl is pointing him out. And it says that he was swearing and cursing. I don't know him. And the day that he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he goes from hiding in a room with the doors locked to standing up in front of all of Jerusalem and saying, you crucified him. It's time for you to repent and be baptized. <laughs> Something insane happened to this man. It was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, listen, knowing the things of Jesus, even being in the presence of Jesus did not transform Peter. You knowing the stories is not going to transform you. It is the indwelling. And <laughs> it's the same for you. Sometimes I feel like I get up here and I'm Captain Obvious, but like you've died. And you need, your, what has been resurrected in you is the actual spirit of Jesus living inside of you. Listen to, listen to how the church, look at Acts 9, 31. This is what I said to you a while ago. <clears throat> ah, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. This phrase gets me. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Oh, can I just tell you, Upper Room, that's what I want. That's what I want. I am not looking for cute Christians. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I desire so much more that we're, I'm so thankful where we're at, but I want, ah, uh, I want to see like, man, Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit and he dropped dead. <laughs> I don't want y'all to drop dead, but I want us to walk in that kind of fear of the Lord that we're walking in so much fear of him that we need comfort. <laughs> I think that the level of surrender to his voice is what requires and invites the comfort. I don't know if I'm making sense. Listen, the, look at Acts 5.32. I didn't give you this one. <clears throat> This is, this is Peter talking. This is after, okay, these guys have been put in prison and then the angel of the Lord opens the prison doors in the middle of the night. They go up to the temple and they, when no one could find them, they found them preaching in the temple again. And this is what Peter is explaining to the Sanhedrin when they're questioning him. And this is, a phrase that he says, and we are witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. What did Jesus say? If you love me, you'll obey my commandments, and I'll send a helper. What does this tell me? That something about the yes in obedience invites the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying, like, it's you do this to get that. I'm saying that God knows that everything he requires of you, he will supply for you the ability to do. Unless you just want to do this on your own. But the obedience, the surrendered obedience is what invites the power of God. But if you don't, if you're unwilling to surrender in obedience, you may not be experiencing the fullness of his spirit. <clears throat> I, you know, God has called us to live a life that's impossible. Can you cast out demons? No. <laughs> Can you lay down your life 
for your spouse in your flesh? No. Can you not have a hint of sexual immorality in your life? No. But the Holy Spirit can and does. I woke up with a hymn this week. Oh, I'm so glad I have a few of my Church of Christ friends here, Truman and Jane. Um, I woke up with a hymn, and I know it was from the precious Holy Spirit because I haven't heard it in at least 20 years. And it came tumbling out of my mouth when I got out of bed. And it goes like this. I'm living by faith in Jesus above, and I'm trusting and confiding in his great love from all harm safe in his sheltering arms. I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. Can you raise your hand if you know it? Oh, yes. Two? Y'all don't even know it? Ah, Michael didn't even, oh, we've got another. I'm living by faith in Jesus above. I'm trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm safe in his sheltering arms. I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Um, I think that was part of this message. And I think the Lord was giving me a gift that day, plop. And so as I made breakfast and there were people manifesting in my house. (laughs) Does anyone have that happen when you're making breakfast? I was above. I was literally floating. I was floating. I'm living by faith in Jesus above. And then I started singing, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not taking the bait today. Nope, Satan, I'm not taking the bait. What, am, what is my point? I'm saying Reinhard Bonnke needs the Holy Spirit to lead 79 million people to Jesus. And I need the Holy Spirit to make breakfast in love. <laughs> and, and everything in between. Will you guys come up, uh, worship team? I have so much I could say. I think I could, I think I could talk for weeks. Um, I felt like there were some different responses to be had in the room. So I'm going to kind of outline those and then we'll, we'll, we'll enter in. I felt that there were some of you who, who needed to take a moment to mourn. Um, you know, for my kids, mourning could look like, like somebody said something unkind. And they need the Lord to comfort them because the kid said this at school that day. Does that matter to him? Will he comfort them? Yes. So I don't know what you have in your life that you have dismissed as not worthy of mourning about. But if the Holy Spirit's stirring in your heart today, there may be something for you to let him in and let him comfort you. And then for some of you, that may feel too big and too scary in a setting like this. And that's okay. I I would encourage you to take some time at home and say, Lord, you said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So here I am. He knows what you can handle. He does. He knows what you can handle. And I love counselors, but he is the best one. The best counselors lean on him for counsel. (laughs) 
I felt there were some of you who, um, <clears throat> I felt there were some of you who, when I talked about hypocrisy, that really hit home for you. And you thought, I, I feel like a hypocrite, but I really don't want to. I really want my insides and my outsides to line up. I want my Friday to match my Sunday. I want to, I want to live free and in the light before God. I felt that there were some of you who needed to go back to the last thing that the Lord asked you to do and do it in obedience. That maybe the presence of God, as soon as you say yes, will come rushing in to meet you. It might be a phone call, a text, a conversation. I know for me in that, in that season when I was young, if you're a young person, I had to break off a relationship and I was terrified to do it. But I'm telling you the grace of God that met me when I did. And then I think there's some of us that, man, we, we just needed to be reminded that this whole life is dependent on him. But he's not asking you to do anything in your own strength. Your strength is rubbish. And that is wonderful news. He is not expecting you to run on empty. Amen. Would you stand up and... I, I like to call this uh, doing business with God because it's between you and him. And I don't know where you are and what you need, but he does and you do. And so the carpet, we're going to open up the carpet. And then in a little while, I'll have our altar team come up and receive prayer. But, but uh, as a team, we're going to flow together. So.